Welcome to the Motivations for Monday podcast. I'm your host, author, speaker, and success coach, Rob Yanok. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy. Here's what I want to talk to you guys about today. I want to talk to you about um, courage. Um, Man, we live in a time where there's some things that happen to us that can just, just overwhelm us with fear. We're faced with all kind of things every day. You heard the story of when I was in the Boundary Waters and I went out to go bathroom at 3 o'clock in the morning and a bear uh, scared me. Brian was there. He could, he could tell you. And uh, it was a black bear. And I'm telling you, it took my... Did I tell you about that, Tim? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So let me tell the story so Tim can get it, okay? So we get to the Boundary Waters um, Monday. And Monday night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I get up. I unzip my tent. I take three steps out to go do my thing. And um, I, I, doing a, there's a tree right in front of me. And all of a sudden, while I'm doing it, and it's dark out. I hear and I feel this. And all of a sudden I thought, I'm half asleep and I go, what in the world is that? And a few seconds later, and I feel it on my chest and I hear it again and I realized it was something. I figured it was a bear or a moose and I took, it scared me to death. I took two steps and I dove headfirst back into the tent my brother-in-law woke him up. He's like, what in the heck was that? And I'm like, I think it was a bear. So the next morning, I tell Christian and Grayson and Brian and his son and my Uncle Mick and saying, hey, this this what happened. And they're like, you know, my boys are saying, oh, it was probably a squirrel. <laughs> I'm like, no, it wasn't a squirrel, you know. <laughs> And then we were all eating breakfast that morning. Well, it could have been a moose or it could have been a wolverine, you know. And then we get back at the end of the week. We get back to the outfitters. And Dave says, well, it could have been a moose, Robin. But you're lucky to be alive if it was a moose because it would have charged you. Um, but I saw movement. And uh, so the, the next week, my uncle took a whole group of other people out to the Boundary Waters. And a mama black bear was there. And it came back every day with her cubs ravaged the camp they had to move and everything and he called me on the way out on friday and said it was a bear he said you peed two feet from a mama black bear but i'm like well that even scares me even more because somebody said diving into the tent you've been a taco for that bear you know but it's amazing how things like that when you don't expect it can scare you you know and we have circumstances uh i want to bring it from Joshua chapter 1 in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 through 9 God is coaching Joshua Joshua is the toughest military leader of the day he's a man's man he's strong he's um, he's a military genius he can probably kill somebody with his hands tied behind his back that's how militant he is But he was at a crucial time in his life, and so you have God coaching him to make not a physical transition, an internal transition. Because Joshua was afraid. Joshua was scared. Joshua was also paralyzed with discouragement. 
So God speaks to him because he's going to have to start leading. He's going to have to start stepping into this new role, this new position, this new place. And so what he does is he gives him this locker room speech um, that a coach would give his team. And so, you know, God says to him, Moses, my servant is dead, Joshua, because Joshua was a follower of Moses. He was one of Joshua's or one of Moses' leaders. You know, so he was the right-hand man of Moses, and it was time for the mantle to pass. And, and so God's telling him, I need you to step out of your cocoon of security and safety. You know, a lot of things in life take risk. It, it, it takes risk. Getting married takes a risk. Having kids takes a risk. I remember when Trisha told me she was pregnant. Man, I was like happy and cried and excited and scared to death and going, what? I've never been a dad before. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and realize I'm like every other father in America. It's trial and error when, you know, and uh, you just go by your examples. And I had an amazing example of, of a dad, you know, and so I thought, okay, I got to follow, you know, figure out how my dad did it. And then I find myself now acting just like my dad, you know what I mean? <laughs> and... Uh, um, but it takes a risk. And when you jump out in things and you have to take a risk, there are two things that are going to come against you. Fear and then the opportunity to be discouraged. Okay? Um, and want to give up. So he tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, 5 through 9, be strong and courageous. Then he tells him be strong and very courageous. That's what's interesting. Because he realized Joshua's going to have his hands full, you know, with the kind of people that he had to lead. Think about it. Why do you think God tells Joshua and Joshua tells the children of Israel to march around Jericho for seven days and not say a word? Could you imagine that? You, the discipline that these people had to have, especially the ladies. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> not to talk. <laughs> you, you, you got that? Okay. Just, My wife's not here, so i All right. Just to be that disciplined, you know what I mean? So his hands were going to be full. And then to you know, the, the, let out a command when they go to AI. Don't take nothing. Don't touch nothing. You know, um, don't take no riches. Don't take anything. And so he knew that, man, people are not going to listen to him all the time. And, and he's going to have to make some tough decisions. And he's going to get discouraged and go, they're not even following me. I might as well just throw in the towel and quit. So Joshua was going to have times where he was weak and fearful and discouraged. And so God tells him a third time in verse 9, be strong and courageous. And he tells him, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Fear Weakness and discouragement are some powerful forces, even in the life of a strong believer. That means there can be stuff that could happen to us that knocks the wind right out of us that causes us to want to quit, want to give up, be afraid. I love what John Wayne said. John Wayne said, uh, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Billy Graham said it like this. Courage is contagious, and when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. It, it just does something. You know, if, if I'm with my kids and, and there's a 
tough situation, they're going to look at me first and see how my reaction or my response is. And if I'm cool and I'm calm, they're going to be calm. Okay? Because that's what happens. Courage is contagious. Okay? Strength is contagious. Faith is contagious. Psalms 31.24 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Every one of us are going to be faced with discouragement at times. I can tell you, you know, you've heard me say it many times in my messages over the past few months and years. Man, the last couple of years have been the toughest uh, for me personally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially in every area of my life. And I, I actually write more descriptive about it in my book. Uh, that's coming out in a couple weeks. Woohoo! Yeah. And, um, um, but 365 times in the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Because fear wants us to run from something that's not even there. I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, catching my breath. I couldn't even breathe. And a fear, just like something was sitting on my chest and something was hovering over my bed. I couldn't even say anything I couldn't even pray I couldn't even I don't know if that's ever happened to you but some call it a panic attack some call it a stress I don't know but I can tell you there was numerous times it just took my breath away and would wake me up in the middle of the night fear it, it can grip you Mark Twain said it like this courage is not the absence of fear it's acting in spite of it anyway George Patton uh, said it like this Courage is fear holding on a minute longer, you know. And the enemy, here's what, here's what the enemy will like to do. He's really subtle, really subtle. He, he's not going to do anything big to, to, to get your attention. He's going to do little things that are going to try to steal your courage, make you discouraged, make you depressed, make you take your eyes off of God and put your eyes on circumstances, make you lose your faith. He'll do things for you to go, well, what's the use trying anymore, right? Make you second guess God, cause you to be discouraged. Listen, and this is what was happening to Joshua, what was going to happen to the children of Israel. Uh, the new movie on Winston Churchill came out. Um, Gary Oldman stars in it. If you haven't seen it, see it. It is fantastic. And Winston Churchill once said, success is never final, and failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts. Okay? So God really is calling us in this last day to be people, men and women, who have courage in the face of danger. Have courage in the face when everybody's going left, we go right. That we are not moved by the group think concept. Because just because the majority says something doesn't make it right. Okay? So but you have to have the courage to stand for what's right, to stand for what you believe in, to stand for what God would want you to stand for, okay? So he's called us to live that, and it's not easy. Courage is not easy. Courage, Brian has to have courage to move on with his life after losing Tracy and to take every day as it comes, one day at a time. It takes courage to go through that sort of thing, okay? And really, this message... It, you, can, you can apply it in business, 
in your marriage, in your relationships, and even in your personal faith. Um, you'll never ever do anything worthwhile in this world without courage. Courage is, is, is really the key. My, my boys and I, we're big Lord of the Ring fans. Okay, we're big Lord. We've read the books. We we watched the movie a couple times, all all of them a couple times a year. One of my favorite scenes is in the Return of the King, Aragorn and Gandalf and Legolas, and they're at the Black Gate, and Frodo and Sam are at the at Mordor. They're getting ready. They're trying to get the ring and throw the ring in the fires of Mordor and destroy that evil thing for once and for all. But they're being they're being it's a battle it's a fight and so Aragorn who would be the king um, looks at his army and there's not a lot of them and you could tell because when the black gate opened there were millions of orcs of demonic military orcs that could wipe them out and he looks in the eyes of his men and he, he, he says this he said hold your ground and he's screaming in the movie it's cool you feel the Holy Spirit <laughs> hold your ground he says hold your ground sons of Gondor and Rohan and my brothers he said and I see in your eyes the same fear that would take my heart also that would take the heart of me and he said a day may come when the courage of men fails and we forsake our friends and our bonds of fellowship. He says this, but not this day, not today. We are going to fight. We are going to stand. We are going to have courage. And the scene is great because all of a sudden he, with, he draws his sword. He's on his horse and he looks back to them and he says, for Frodo. And then they just run towards the black gate and all those orcs. And, it's just, and they win, you know, because... Frodo's able to throw the ring into the fire of Mordor and, you know, and the story's over and it's fantastic and tr good triumphs over evil, you know, and it's, when Tolkien wrote this, he wrote this about life. He really wrote it about the battle between uh, death and life and good and evil and, and, and it's a type of Christ and it's all biblical. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But listen, fear, weakness, and discouragement is Satan's desperation to stop you from moving forward. You may have an idea for a business. You may have an idea to do something greater than what you're doing or do something you've never done before. And he'll try to put these things in your life. But you got to realize what he said in John 4, 4, 1, 4, 4. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. So what's in you is always greater than what's happening to you. And we forget that at times. And we got to realize, no matter what we face on Monday, the God who lives inside of us, the gifts that are inside of us, the passion, the faith that's inside of us, the courage is greater than any of this madness in this world. It don't matter what happens in Wall Street. It doesn't matter what happens at the White House. What matters is that greater is he that's in me than he that's going on in the world. So we've got to develop a resolution on the inside of us to, to stand Firm. So I want to encourage you to start living every day with courage. Just make up your mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna face today with courage. And and here are three things real quickly that I wanted to just give you as principles. This is how you protect your courage. This is how you have courage. This is how you fight against fear. This is how you fight against weakness or discouragement. Number one, we've got to learn to protect our minds. 
We got to learn to protect our minds because the craziest, goofiest stuff goes on up there. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you. It, it, somebody put on their Facebook this week um, something. Uh, it, it was pretty funny about um, if you could read what actually is going in my mind, it would drive, it would, it would blow your mind, you know. And that is the truth. Proverbs 4.23, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. It's really true. That's what, and that's what Solomon said. Your thoughts, whatever happens in your mind, happens in time. Because our thoughts take us somewhere. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. That's where your thoughts go. And that's why the scripture is so full of verses that tell us to renew our mind, change our thinking. Matter of fact, the whole word of repentance is not telling God you're sorry it's changing your mindset. It's changing your thinking or your thoughts about a circumstance or situation. So uh, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we're, we're called to guard our thoughts. And, and, and Paul tells us in Philippians what, how we're supposed to think. Think on things that are good, pure, lovely, honest. You know what I mean? These are the things that we are to think on. And you can't think of something on Sunday and expect to get it to you through the whole week. No, you've got to wake up tomorrow morning and you have to renew your mind. You've got to get your mind right. You've got to think right thoughts. That's why there's no better time in the morning than to infuse your mind with the Word of God, with a devotional, with prayer. Start your day off right. And it... You know, you, you want to start off thinking right. You know what I mean? Because really, if you're like me, man, you can get goofy thoughts sometimes. And your thinking can be different and goofy and not right. And you've got to, it's a battle. Joyce Myers has a great book, The Battlefield of the Mind. Probably one of the best books uh, that I've ever read on this subject. So you've got to protect your mind. Number two, we have to learn to go to God in prayer. We have got to learn to take whatever is bothering us and take it to God in prayer. Not just think it to Him, but pray it to Him. Okay? Well, Luther said this, The less I pray, the harder it gets. The more I pray, the better it goes. Okay? Um, I'm reminded of the story in the jungles of Africa. A man was being pursued by a roaring, hungry lion. And feeling the, that beast's hot breath on his neck and knowing his time was short, he broke into a prayer as he ran like crazy. And while he's running, he says, he's praying, Oh God, please make this lion a Christian. Please make him a, a believer in you, God. And within seconds, the frightened man noticed that the lion had stopped chasing him. And when he looked behind him, he found the lion kneeling and moving his lips in obvious prayer. And greatly relieved, he at his turn of events, he got real close to the lion and heard him pray. And the lion said, Oh, bless us, O oh Lord, for this food I'm about to receive. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. <laughs> pray. Go to God in prayer. Spiritual comfort and spiritual relief and release comes through prayer. It really does. If you would just take it to God in prayer. Like my grandmother used to say, we, we'd tell her our, in, our sins and ails and things we were complaining about and what we wanted and needed. And her, her question all the time was, did you pray about it? Prayer gets this thing in motion. 
It, it begins the law of sowing and reaping because when we pray, God speaks. When we pray, God answers. It gets the ball rolling. Listen, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer can change anything, and prayer can change everything. So pray to God. That's how you have faith, and that's how you have courage, and that's how you combat these, these things like fear and discouragement. And then number three, number three, understand the power of praise, okay? Praise gets you your eyes, your mind, your thoughts, and your words off of the thing that you're fretting about, worrying about, fearing about, and it puts it on God. Psalms 43, uh, 4, Then I will go to the altar of God, the God of my exceeding joy, and I will praise you, O God, my God. You know, it's easy for us to forget that. And, 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 and maybe some of us are not very demonstrative. I, I was talking to my friend uh, Ron the other day, and he, he was asking about you, Mike. And he's like, hey, is that tall guy who jumps when he worships, is he still, is he, does he come to the Bible size? I said, yes, he does. I said, but he hasn't jumped in the, in the living room. I said, but he does sit in my recliner. And he goes like, yeah, he just blessed me. Every time I've seen that, you know, I just, that just blessed me. You know what I mean? Because there's power in praise. It's addictive. And it, and it, and it moves on people, you know. And it causes us to remember God. It causes us really to begin to put everything on God. We focus our insecurities and turn them to our securities on God. We focus all of our attention on God. And I have found out that when I had things weighing on my mind, really I'm struggling, I'm, I'm worried about this, and I've shared some of the things that I've been fretting about and worried about. But, I, I you know, when I... When nobody's home or they've all gone to school and Trisha's still at work, man, and I'm down here in the morning praying, you know, we have the Sonos. And I turn that Pandora praise and worship channel on. You know what I mean? And I just, I stop worrying about the finances. I stop worrying about the tax bill. I stop worrying about uh, the in, my income and, and uh, stop worrying about the, the kids and stuff. And all of a sudden I begin to focus on God. It changes what's happening on the inside of me. So praise, what I do on the outside in praise and worship, it changes the situation on the inside, okay? So Isaiah 61.3, and when it comes to praise, you've got to realize it's not something that comes natural. You have to put it on. So you have to do it on purpose. It says this in verse 3, To console those who mourn in Zion, to, grieve, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise... For the spirit of heaviness. So he's saying when you have a spirit of heaviness, you may be depressed, discouraged, worried about whatever. When you put on the garment of praise. So praise is a garment. When David danced before the Lord, when the Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem, David put on the ephod. The ephod was the garment of praise and worship. It was a priestly garment. It was holy underwear is what it was, okay? And he put it on as an act of praise to God, and he danced before the Lord, okay? His wife got mad. She was embarrassed, but he understood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on the garment of praise so the spirit of heaviness that's weighing on my heart can be released. And it goes on that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, it may be he may be glorified. So praise takes our minds 
off our situation and focuses them on God. It takes all the bad stuff that you and I are dealing with in life and makes something beautiful completely out of it. And I'm ending with this. I'm reminded of um, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. In the inner prison, probably going to be killed the next day, if you read the story, hanging upside down in the inner prison, naked, rats, feces, horrible situation. And Silas is going, Paul, what are we going to do? Paul said, well, we probably should sing. Yeah, let's sing. Maybe we should praise. Maybe we should pray. Maybe we should quote scripture. But the Bible says that they began to pray and they began to sing hymns. Okay? A hymn is not just a praise and worship song. A hymn is something that is directed directly to God. The hymns that they sang in the New Testament were the Psalms of the Old Testament. And these were songs that were sung not just about God. There's something powerful about a song that's sung in praise directly to God. Okay? That's when God inhabits the praise of His people. That's when He comes down and gets involved in your situation and can turn it around in a moment. When it looks like it's going to fall apart, God is like, bam, here He goes because of praise. So they began to sing hymns. And the Bible says that the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now there's something spiritually significant about that. We live in a time where people are bound. Marriages are bound. Jobs are bound. People's uh, passions and their faith are bound. They're, they're, they're bound up. Their addiction, they have addictions and stuff. When we get a hold of this concept of what praise is really like and how powerful it really is, we don't need to be concerned how we look when we praise. We just need to be biblical about how we praise. What does the Bible say? It talks about lifting hands. It talks about lifting up our voice. It talks about bowing. It talks about kneeling. It talks about crying out to the Lord. It talks about singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. It talks, and that's, what our, and that's a whole other message. But when we begin to praise, our problems begin to diminish. Our discouragement begins to diminish. We begin to lose despair, and we worship our way out of the heaviness things in our life. When we praise, we pray, and we protect our mind, courage comes to us. Faith comes to us. Listen, fear runs. Discouragement runs. And so I just wanted to encourage you today, and uh, many will be listening to this on Monday, because this is going on the Motivations for Monday podcast too, that people waking up on Monday, they're discouraged already because it's Monday. No, man, it's going to be a great Monday tomorrow for you. It's going to be a fantastic week. Things are going to shift in your finances. Things are going to shift in your relationships. Things are going to shift in your marriage. Things are going to shift on your what you're pursuing in your life. It's going to happen. So be a man, be a woman of courage. You know, just just do what it says and be courageous.